You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Christmas, and welcome to a special uh, Christmas holiday edition of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Uh, we're going to bring in uh, the other half of my Santa Claus routine. I've got the belly. Glenn Beck has the white hair. Together, we would be the perfect uh, Santa Claus. Uh, but I'm bringing in Glenn Beck because I need someone to spread some holiday cheer. Uh, because I, I got to say, the month of December, I got a little down and dour and sour and depressed because I feel like we're losing the culture war badly. And you know, a lot of it had to do with watching uh, that Seth Rogen, Sarah Silverman, uh, Santa Inc. Christmas cartoon on HBO Max. And it just depressed me. It was so profane, perverse, satanic, and it just depressed me. And so I want Glenn, obviously you guys know Glenn Beck from Blaze TV, radio and television, and uh, written a bunch of books, including The Great Reset, Joe Biden, and The Rise of the 21st Century Fascism. Uh, I wanted Glenn Beck to come on and cheer me up and tell me why we're not losing the culture war. And so Glenn, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm mm -hmm. honored to, to have you here. Well, and I hope that you can spread some cheer. That's what I'm known for, Jason, really, is uh, <laughs> my uplifting, inspiring kind of hopeful outlooks uh, for the country. Uh, but I noticed that, uh, you know, I've been trying to be on your show for a long, long time. And uh, now that you're you're kind of in the holidays where the ratings are down. You say, hey, let's bring the white guy on. I get it. I get it. It's because I'm white, isn't it? You bastard. Well, I think Steve Dace would have an argument with you. He's been on the show numerous times. No, he is not uh, white. He is pasty. There is a difference. Oh, yeah, that's, that is true. Yes. That, that is true. That is true. Well, well, look, I bring Steve on because he's probably the only guy at the Blaze who looks worse than me and is frumpier than me. <laughs> no. And so he makes me have look you, good. Have you looked at me lately? I mean, this is horrendous. I've just turned into a blob. This is what happens when you move to the yeah. South. Great. Well, I think they have... I don't want to offend our makeup person, but I, I think they do wonders with makeup in Dallas. So Glenn, <laughs> you still look, you know, you look swell to me. You look like uh -huh. you're about 190 uh -huh. pounds. Oh, yeah, that's uh, me. In yeah. the best shape of your life. Yes. What, what are you, 47? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Such a good liar. <laughs> uh, so, you know, the uh, the HBO thing. Uh, the good thing is it's just not funny. 
So uh, I don't think it's going to get a lot of traction. They spent a lot of money on it. They're putting a lot of promotion. But, uh, you know, do you did you ever uh, have you ever seen those Christian movies that are like, oh, and they're so bad because they're all they are is a vehicle. Let's get somebody and bring them to Christ in 90 minutes where if you're smart, you're like, let's let's have somebody feel something in 90 minutes and let's tell a great story. You know, let's open up their heart. And Christians were making these movies where I've got to have the people coming to the altar and testifying before they get their popcorn. And that makes us make really bad movies. That's what this Santa Claus thing is. This is their faith. This is their church. And they're making really bad movies. They're not used to doing this. We've been the ones doing it. And Christians are getting better at telling stories. And they're getting worse at it. We're switching places. It's this is their religion. And they're like, we just want to bring someone to Satan. Uh, by the end of this episode and and nobody's going to watch it because it's not good you know what makes you feel better doesn't you're it? just proving my point oh. on why i brought you on you just <laughs> made me feel 10 15 percent better about it because you've made an excellent point it, because i believe they call it an adult cartoon but it's clearly to me targeted at young people, targeted at kids, but you're right. I do think their version of Christmas and Santa Claus is told so horrendously that you could have kids watch it and be just like, put on like, this is horrendous. It's not funny. The, they may be looking at Sarah Silverman and Seth Rogen like, how dumb are these people that put this on Uh, And so you're right. It may actually turn people off. And it is certainly, I think, I I can remember when I first saw this early in December, I called my mother to tell her to just be like, I just can't believe what I just saw. This is this is what I've been trying to tell you. They're trying to do the culture. And when my mother heard it, she was appalled. And I could just hear a light going off in her head that like, hey, a lot of this progressive stuff isn't all what it's cooked up to be. Oh, no. And it, 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 it helps me get her to understand, like, hey, a lot of this stuff that liberal and all this other stuff, a lot of it is actually satanic. And here's the proof. Look, it is. And so they've helped me make an argument. Yeah. I, I, and that is another you're talking yourself into happiness here. That is another reason to feel like we are winning. They are so obvious now. It is so clear. It's, you know, Martin Luther King said, put good versus evil side by side. Show somebody who's clean cut in a tie, not doing anything wrong with somebody having a dog trying to get him next to, you know, that evil next to this guy. And they will always pick this guy. We I've been doing this for a while, Jason, and. You know, I have always had to say, look, this is coming. But some of the things that I talked about are just now happening, happening in the last three years. And so people who have listened to me for a long time, they're all going, oh, my gosh, this is exactly what you said. But they had to wait this long. 
now I can say, here's what's going to happen with abortion. If Roe versus Wade is overturned this summer, you're going to see New York, California, maybe Massachusetts and Illinois go full term abortion. And nobody's for that. Nobody. I don't think the average American is for uh, abortion except for safe, legal and very rare. They don't want people using that as contraception. But if there's a real problem, they want to not have to tell someone, no, they want them to be able to make that decision. So you're going to have Mississippi and Texas and everybody else say, nope, maybe for cases of rape and incest, whatever. But then they're the same, except the opposite way. They're going to move so far into the evil category and people are going to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I can't stand with them. Safe, legal, and rare was what they were preaching. And these guys over here kept saying they would murder babies out of the womb. And look at what they're doing. They're just becoming so obvious. It's easy. If we stay hopeful, if we are not angry, if we are happy warriors, if we speak the truth, if we're not trying to win, we're just trying to open people's minds and say, welcome to the party. Come on, bring in your ideas. As long as we're doing the right things and living a righteous life, they will see the people will see shortly. And they already are. They're lying to us or that's darkness. That's bad. I don't want anything to do with them. We're actually making great ground, Jason. Great ground. I'm telling you, this is why I wanted you on, because you also the the point you were making about like, no, you were saying this 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And 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 I remember 10, 15 years ago when Fox News used to get ridiculed. Oh, they're saying there's a culture war and they're trying to cancel Christmas and they want to take Christ Mm -hmm. out of Christmas. These people are just crazy, crazy, crazy. And, And and at that time when people were saying that. I kind of bought into it. Sure. I was, yeah, what, what are they talking about? They, they ain't going to cancel Christmas. Who would cancel Christmas? Mm-hmm. And here I am in 2021, like, oh, my God, they want to cancel Christmas. Oh, and, yeah. and so do you, I, I'm trying, how long ago was this just to spark my, when you were at your prime in your heyday, you're at your prime now, but in your heyday at Fox News. 2008. When, when like, 2007, yeah, guys, 2010, in that time period. And it was a very short, compressed time period. But, uh, Jason, it, it was a time that I believe I was truly led by God. I know when God has a hand on my throat um, and either shuts me down or uh, puts things in that are not in, not in my mind. Um, and that time period was very prophetic. Um with me he used me a lot to warn of things um and we're seeing them all now and it's 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 wild for me to watch i've started going back through my old diaries of that time and looking at it going oh my gosh he i i'm convinced at this point he told me covid was coming because there was there was something and i couldn't put my finger on it But he kept telling me that there was to look for patterns, look for patterns. And for months, I was trying to figure that out. 
And I came down to it some sort. And all I have in my diaries is there's some sort of a germ or a disease or a virus that's going to spread that will set this all off. Well, I think that was COVID. Um, and I never, I never said that on the air because I couldn't figure that one out. And so I never said that one on the air. But uh, the other thing that he was very clear with uh, at that time is, one, these are not enemies of yours. They are enemies of mine. And I will ex- exact justice. The other thing was, in their arrogance, they will fail. And that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing tremendous arrogance where the media, they don't get it. Everybody in America is looking at this going, wait, I'm paying meat prices and you're saying there's no inflation No, And they don't. Their arrogance is saying, just keep doing it. Just keep saying it. And it's all going to fall apart. And, you know, when you when you look at little things like Christmas and I shouldn't say a little thing, but it's so all-encompassing now. Um, there's going to be a revival. There will be a revival. It's coming. We just have well, to get to I the certainly, bottom. I, I certainly believe there will be a revival, and I've been very honest about one of the reasons why I wanted to partner with The Blaze and partner with you is because I believe we're going to be part of that revival and that... I needed to be partnered with like-minded people yeah. in, in faith and in belief, but also I needed to, because of where we're at in this country, black and white people have to work together have to. in faith have to. And, and shared belief. And so, so you know, d- d- you use the word arrogance, yeah, and I believe that's accurate. But the other thing I think I see from the left is desperation. That's what actually gives me hope Mm -hmm. is that they seem to be going so fast and trying to do so much as quick as possible that they must know their time is short. And if they don't squeeze this in during this small window, it's all going to blow up in their face. I think you're you're absolutely right. They know they have a very small window, but we should also be aware we have a very small window. It, It is a race to the finish line. Here it really is. Can I can I just change the subject on one thing? Because I don't know if I, and yeah. I've to, if mm-hmm. I've told you the story, then uh, uh, just tell me. Do you know why I named the blaze the blaze? I do not know this story. I named it after the newspaper of George Whitfield. George Whitfield was one of the first. He's the guy we have. Why we had the American Revolution and the Great Revival. Uh, leading up to the American Revolution. Um, he is a, an amazing preacher, amazing preacher. 75% of the American populace had heard him preach in person. 75% of the population by 1775 uh, or 1773, something like that. Um, and he started a newspaper um, in Georgia called The Blaze. And it was the the idea of the blaze is it's the purifying fire of God that if you stand in the truth. That flame will not burn you down. It'll burn all imperfections. So you better have it right. It'll burn all imperfections out. 
But God's refining fire will never touch the truth. Mm. I first time I've heard that story. It, I don't it, tell it very it, often. It helps me understand why I was so attracted to the blaze, even, you know, so that's pretty unconsciously. Sexy. <laughs> it's a great name. No, no, it's a great name. Yeah, thank you. And 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 I, I, I man, you are uh, giving me hope. The, here, here would be my other thing going back to uh, w- what you said about the other side and the momentum that perhaps we can strike and, 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 and take advantage of. Do you think conservatives, and particularly in the political class, are they getting comfortable with being the voice of the working class? Because I think if they ever get comfortable in that spot, that's where I think Christians, black Christians, working class black people are really going to be able to hear and process what conservatives and believers are actually saying. And so do you see the Republican or the conservative side getting comfortable? We're not the people of big business were actually the people of the working class and the voice of the working class. Are we getting more comfortable with that? So I'm perfectly comfortable with that. Um, I, I've always, my view of, of what I believe, the reason why I believe in America is because it works for everyone or can when we're at our best. It will work for everybody. You just adopt a few principles and they're all in the Bill of Rights and you do those things and and just try and the whole world opens up for everybody um so i've always kind of been there but um i've been much more big business in the past because i believed in freedom hey you have a right to build it and if you build it and it gets big or whatever i think big business is the problem right now they are in bed with government and uh they it's it's you know who would have thought that a company google or Facebook or Microsoft could ever become bigger than the United States government. But it is those Google is bigger and more powerful than the United States government. Um, and uh, and they're in bed with the government now. So that is that is clearly where the Democrats are. I, I think the Republicans are comfortable with small businesses um and the average working guy but i i have to tell you i don't i don't see that coming from the republicans i i don't i don't know what it means to be a republican really what does it mean i i just i did an interview a couple of weeks ago with a woman joy pullman that works at the federalist uh she had written a story about uh, a bishop in finland who's basically be, being tried on criminal charges mm-hmm. for preaching the gospel mm-hmm. uh, as it's it relates in to same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and she made the point that, hey, we have to at some point deal with Republican politicians and, and their lack of allegiance to their evangelical base. 
that they throw God out the window when it's time to get elected, when it's time to uh, enact policies or laws yeah. that uh, I, will benefit you over social media, that, that they betray their Christian values a lot. Because and I don't think those values are real to them. I mean, you know, I can't speak for everybody. I know a lot of people in Congress and and in the Senate that actually believe and live their Christian values. But those are the ones also that are living and really trying to protect and defend the Constitution as well. Um, You know, these all these guys, you know, on both sides, they tell people one thing because they honestly, I think it's because they think we're stupid and they can get away with it. But it's time that the American people on both sides of the aisle just stand up and go, we don't buy your bullcrap anymore. Um, I've been talking to Mike Lee for a long time and and trying to get him or Mike find the guy. And it might be Chip Roy that will stand up and do what what uh, uh, some um, Sumner did. Charles Sumner in 1850s, early 1850s, when he stood up and he said, Neither party is serious about ending slavery. The Whigs aren't. The Democrats, you talk a good game, but nobody's actually doing anything. You're using these things for reelection. And some of us actually believe these things. And and you guys are sleeping with the whore of slavery. And when he said that, it offended somebody in Congress uh, so deeply that and he was from the South and he came and he beat Charles Sumner almost to death in the well of the Senate. The only reason why he didn't kill him is because he couldn't get he crawled underneath his desk and the pursuer couldn't get his cane up high enough to make the swings uh, to really to kill him. He came back a couple of years later and finished that speech he was giving. But that was the beginning of the Republican Party. And I'm I'm looking for someone in Congress that actually believes this stuff that can find five other 10 other people, couple of Democrats, couple of Republicans and stand there and say, you know what? We've been talking about it. Neither one of you guys is serious about any of this. You're not serious about protecting the American worker. You're not serious about uh, not spying on people. You're not serious about justice reform. You're not serious about any of these things. Well, we are. We are. And we're not going to play your game anymore. And I think if it is somebody who knows is a good, eloquent speaker, and can list the things that all Americans are feeling right now. You're out of control here, here, and here. You have no right to do these things. You're lying to us about these things. The media is part of it. And they can make a good, rational, and cogent uh, 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 argument. I think it would change America. And I think it's going to come sometime or another. I'm just encouraging it to happen sooner rather than later. Not to put pressure on anybody, but is there anybody you suspect might be that person? Is it is Josh Hawley a candidate? Uh, is, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to Washington uh, in uh, after the new year, and I'm, I'm going to be talking to anyone who will listen. 
I've got a couple of hopefuls. All right. Uh, listen, I want I know you don't follow the sports world religiously. Me? But oh, yeah, you come I, to me I, when I you know want to you... know about sports. You come to me. <laughs> Go ahead. But let me ask you this. You mm-hmm. do recognize the name Bill Belichick. I recognize him as, I think, the owner of the Patriots. He's the head coach. He's the head the coach, which is close to he, the owner. Rob, yeah, very close. <laughs> Robert Kraft is Robert the owner Kraft. of the Patriots. But, yeah. but Bill Belichick has won six Super Bowls as the head coach of the New England Patriots. Yes. He's widely regarded as the greatest football coach of all time. Mm-hmm. You and Bill Belichick have something very much in common. So we one both of the most wish we were Tom Brady. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, you're not. Bill Belichick is jealous of no one, and neither is Glenn Beck. So Tom Brady. Here he is, one of the most successful leaders in the history of sports. Mm-hmm. No one can question that. Probably the greatest coach in all of sports time. And he's got something in common with you. I, we had uh, one of my contributors in studio a couple weeks ago, T.J. Moe, who spent some time with the New England Patriots organization. T.J. played wide receiver at the University of Missouri. You don't have and to in tell 2013, me that. Yeah. <laughs> in 2013, uh, TJ was with the Patriots for a time. Yeah. And he shared a story about Bill Belichick's command of history mm. and how important history is to Bill Belichick. Really? And how he uses history to galvanize and inspire and lead his football team. He walks them through the facility and tells the players, particularly the new players that come to the organization, there'll be pictures of former Patriots on the wall and he demands, you better know who who they are, what they did Mm -hmm. here. You have to understand the history of this organization if you ever want to be a part of this organization, want to be a successful part of this organization. And, And he just, he uses history a lot in leading his team, inspiring his team, educating his team. And that's what I find very powerful about you and your point of view. Mm. It is so grounded in historical knowledge all the way to the artifacts you keep at your museum. And I bring all this up because T.J. Moe, we were having a private conversation and he starts telling not me, but others about what Thomas Jefferson wrote in rough drafts of the Declaration of Independence. Shut up. And yes, TJ's telling this story and and, and about how uh, how uh, fantastic Thomas Jefferson went is after that. Yeah, how how Thomas Jefferson went after slavery and the de- and that only 11 of the 13 colonies would sign off on it and I was able to say TJ, let me stop you. I've seen the rough drafts of those documents. <laughs> Glenn Beck has them. I've held them in my hands. I've read them. I can testify truthfully. Everything you're saying is 100% on, on the money. That is that, great. Where did he hear so, it? Where did he learn that? I'm not. TJ's a very smart guy. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I'm not, I didn't ask him that. I just wanted to confirm everything that you're saying. And I was like, I've seen it with my own eyes. Glenn Beck has this it's stuff. It's crazy, isn't and it? And so t- your passion for history 
Was it just a natural passion or was it part of your media strategy that you were going to be more historically sound than your competition? So um, I hated history growing up, and that's because they're not telling the stories. They're giving us dates and names to memorize, and those are meaningless. Um, and I found a friend uh, about 2005, 2006, David Barton, who is a great historian and great storyteller. And uh, I had just done research on the early 20th century progressives, and I realized not only do I not know any of this, and it's really important, uh, my audience doesn't know it. And so I started really being fascinated in, in, by learning about history in all aspects. And David helped um, uh, fill in the gaps in the early uh, American Revolution. And uh, after that, it just became a, just a total passion and i i wish i i knew how to use it better than i do i mean i in some ways i feel like i should just be doing a history show um but i don't know uh, you know i don't know how to i don't know how to do it um in a way that would um get out to the mass and we're so busy collecting right now that um it's uh, it, that just that is a little daunting. Well, I think you do a masterful job. Thank I think you. it's necessary. I think there's a reason why the New York Times and the left are trying to pervert history, oh, yeah. rewrite history. Oh, yeah. And it's a tool to they're trying to convince us that America is a failure and was destined to be a failure because the founding fathers were these evil people and the founding documents must be tossed out and we need a whole new constitution and bill of rights because this all hasn't worked and it's all through a perverse telling of history and that's why i'm glad you're passionate about history because you can set the record straight well i would like to invite you down because we are getting the i think i told you last time we were here the largest collection of pilgrim and jamestown artifacts um, in the world, uh, we were bidding against the Smithsonian. Uh, fortunately for us, uh, the guy who was selling it, we talked to and we're like, you don't really want that to go to the Smithsonian, do you? And so we got the collection. But you're a guy who should know all of it. I mean, we have we have slave documents from the 1500s uh, here in America with uh, the Spaniards. Um, we, we have all kinds of stuff that just turns all of the New York Times bullcrap upside down. And you should be teaching it. And I'd, I'd love to have you come down. I mean, we'll we'll give you access to anything. I will take you up on that invitation. Glenn, thank you so much Thanks, uh, for the time. I don't know if you can hear it, but uh, we have a lovely singer named Tamar that sings this song, Freedom. And when that song starts playing, We're that out. means tomorrow is singing, and I'll see you tomorrow. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never.
never been alone I'll break my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving all the seed When we all wanna be free We want freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just